0: Welcome to the Empowered Women Rise podcast with me, your host, Lucy Bennett. This week, I'm going to be talking to Shannon Walsh, who is a filmmaker for weddings. And she's going to be telling us her incredible journey of overcoming some huge challenges um, in her life, her early 20s. So, welcome, Shannon. Thanks for asking me on. Um, I feel quite, uh, yeah, I feel quite special. (laughs) You are special. Obviously, I know your your story um, quite well now, and I just thought it was quite an incredible story. I wanted to speak in this Empowered Women series to women who, you know, they're entrepreneurs, they've overcome a lot of challenges in life to be able to get to where they are today. And for you as women to be able to, like, share your story and and for other women to hear your voice and to know that, you know, if they face similar challenges to what you have faced, then they can make it through and they can make a success of their lives. So tell us a little bit, first of all, about your entrepreneurial journey so far.
1: Well, um, so so basically I was um, in my early twenties and I was a um, assistant director in television. So I worked on all the soaps like Coronation Street, Hollyoaks, Emmerdale, and it was my dream job. Um, it's what I thought was my dream job. It's what I'd always wanted to do. Um, And basically, I I had this freak health incident in my life. Um, I never really know how to explain it. Um, But yeah, I'd worked the day before. I had a day off and I woke up and I had this pain in my back. And I was like, oh, I have pain. It's fine. And then over the course of three hours, I went from a bit of pain to literally screaming. Like I couldn't stop myself from screaming from the pain. Um, and of course, I, my partner Jack at the time was just, I don't know what to do. I couldn't put any weight on my legs. And it just was this freak, like freak thing. There was no accident. No, nothing happened. It just happened. Yeah. And that so.
0: Was so scary for
1: you both. Oh, both you. Just, oh, just terrifying. Like, what on earth have I done? So sort of fast forward um, two months and this was still going on. I was just basically numbed and put on medication and gone. You'll be fine. You're young. You'll you'll fix yourself. And then um, I had another incident where I, I lost feeling in my legs completely, like they were numb. I couldn't lift them. And then the pain started sinking, and I ended up having to go into AE. and e So um, in that moment, I ended up having to live in a wheelchair. Um, I couldn't do anything for myself for roughly about six months before I could start actually getting myself up onto a walking stick. So I had gone my entire life, like, for the most part like physically healthy i was a dancer when i was younger worked my way into a tv job and suddenly like that i was in a wheelchair like my whole life was just like, yeah. <laughs> like you hear of these stories and you know people that are listening today you'll be hearing my story and then just thinking it probably won't happen to me and that's how i was i was like well that's not going to happen to me like you just don't think it will of course So, yes, I was there and I lost my job because I was a freelancer, Um, lost my financial independence. I had to move out of my house and move in with my dad. And then a month later, (laughs) my dad passed away um, completely unexpected, just had a heart attack, passed away. And so within three months, I went from dream life to in a wheelchair, lost my dad, lost my career, lost my financial independence. And to be honest, it felt like a rug had been pulled out beneath me. And I just didn't know what I was gonna do. Um, So in that moment, I had no idea that two years later, I would decide to start my own wedding videography business with my partner. it, it was it was a journey that had a lot of ups and downs and a lot of trial and error and. Um... In a way, sometimes I think I don't know how I ended up getting into wedding videography from where I was, um, but it, it basically came from sheer determination that I was not going to live like this anymore. Yeah. And every day, getting up, and am putting myself through it, and you know, getting into hydro pool therapy and having to literally drag myself along the pool to try and get my legs to start working again, um, right through to being able to you know walk for two minutes outside
0: of my flat and get back in. Yeah. um yeah so Shannon for you I mean it must have been it must have first of all heartbreaking when you lost your dad and that that grief is so difficult to deal with when it's on its own when you've got everything else in place in your life so it shows that you're an extremely strong woman to have been able to get through all of that you know like hats off to you you're amazing and I, I know you're amazing and that's why I wanted to talk to you today but you've come so you've come so far since then but in those you know in those weeks and days after it happened what kept you going what kept you being able to get up in the morning and still move on with your life um that's a really that's a really hard question
1: um I would say it was my dad um, for, for those first couple of weeks, I, um, even though everything that was going on with me, you know, the grief of losing my dad, I was very, very close to him. He was like my idol, my icon. Um, so I, I would get up every day and just be like, what would dad do? Like he would just get up and soldier on, you know, and, and it did just get me through because, you know, at the time, uh, two, I had two older sisters, but they had kids and they had to just keep going. They had to just keep on with their life. And you know, my mom at the at the time was just obviously just crumbled. So I was left with all the paperwork, all the funeral. Like I had to sort of deal with the whole thing. Um, so I guess it was that. It was like I don't. I almost didn't have a choice. It, that's how I felt, anyways. Like I don't have a choice but to get up, support my mom, you know, and just do my part. Um, and I just, I just didn't want to live like that. It's like there was something in my head. That,
0: Oops! oh it's okay you're coming back oh okay. <laughs> got you, back. On. you disappeared for a second there oh, no. <laughs> um so see. yeah yeah so you were just saying how you were saying how a lot of the responsibility of the family was put onto you to look after despite the fact that you had lost your your ability to walk yes in the previous month so even though you were in a situation where you clearly needed help others were still putting on to you Mm. how did you how did you kind of cope with that did you Um, I mean again I don't
1: know I I would say that the first sort of few weeks and the first couple of months really I was quite numb um I I just sold it on got it got up you know got up and did what I could in the day um just because I had to you know um yes, people came to me and I, I felt like a lot of the pressure came on to me for a lot of reasons that I understood like I said with my sisters having fam having family but um yeah I, I kind of coped I mean I wasn't into spirituality I wasn't into meditation like I wasn't that person at the time so I didn't even have any of those practices to lean on um I'd say my biggest um strength was my partner Jack
0: like I, I, don't, I wouldn't have got through it all if it hadn't been for Jack Amazing. And he's your fiancé now. You guys actually were engaged and you want to get married, but because of COVID, you haven't quite managed to get there yet, right? Like there's so many couples out there. Yeah. So that's amazing. I'm so happy that you've got somebody so strong by your side who supports you so much. He's an amazing man. He really is. So for you, after after the initial kind of couple of years of challenges, obviously, Mm -hmm. even when I first met you last year, you were still making steps towards regaining your physical strength. Mm -hmm. um and uh, a moment that kind of resonates with me is where you you did um an elopement up in the mountains and it was the first time that you'd walked so far tell us a little bit about that because that is that is really a miracle moment I I believe you know tell us tell us about that
1: I mean in a way it was a bit of a moment of craziness on my part um we had decided that we wanted to be wedding filmmakers, not because we um, sort of were in love with the industry. We actually fell in love with the craft. We started following wedding filmmakers that were based in America and in Europe. And they were so experimental and dramatic. And we were just like, oh my God, this is for us. So when we first started doing weddings um, and COVID happened, we were like, this is the time that we can really experiment. And we sat and we were like, thinking we need to get out in the wild let's just do something interesting because we couldn't use venues so we started to uh, devise this style shoot idea and when I'm in like my creative brain and when I'm like in the zone it's like I forget what that I actually have limitations <laughs> so I ended up like organizing this shoot out in the Pete district and we had this incredible couple that could mountain climb and we were like right we're going to have you mountain climbing up the side we're going to have you on the top and it wasn't really until the day and I turned up and I looked at this walk, this vertical walk up to where we needed to be. And I was like, um, "Like, what am I gonna do? I have barely walked further than 10 minutes in the last two years around a flat block. How the hell am I gonna do this? So yeah, it was just this moment of the sheer determination, love of, love of my craft, love of what I do. And obviously Jack was amazing. And I just soldiered on. I just walked up. And like you said, it was kind of like this miracle where I got to the end of the day and I'd done the shoe. Obviously, I was like out of business for like a week and couldn't get out of bed. <laughs> but yeah, it was, you know, I remember that like it was around the time that obviously we were working together and it was this thing in my brain that clicked. I was like, I can do this. Like,
0: it's going to be really hard, but I can, I can do this. That's amazing. And it was it was symbolically something very big for you that really projected you forward. Um, And I mean, through our work together, we've both been on a bit of a journey in a sense that we we both have connected more with our spirituality over the last 12 months. And I'm not meaning that we found God and we're going to the local church. No, (laughs) No. we could. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but no. But we, we both have started to kind of, um, you know, believe in in our inner power and the fact that there is something more out there um, that gives us the strength to kind of move forward. So tell me a little bit about your how you've connected with spirituality and how it, it's changed your life and how it's changing the path of your future so much as well. Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. So um, I was um, one of those people that was like, really you're gonna like dance around your room. You're gonna like use crystals. Like I was I was so one of those people that just hated it. And it was just, it wasn't because I hated the people. It confused me. Like my curiosity wouldn't allow me to just have a look at it. And um, when all of this happened to me and I really started to get to a process, process of grieving my dad and grieving everything that was going on, I did think to myself, I had this thought one day, and I thought, surely some of this has happened for a reason. Like you can't just recover now and go back to the life you had.
0: No, no. no. you're no. a
1: completely different human. And that's not for me to say, oh, death happens for a reason. It's not that, it's these things happen to us and make us stronger and make us different people. And we have a choice as to whether or not we wanna react to that and go down this new path, of this new person that we've become, or if we ignore it all and go back to who we were and carry on on this old path. And for me, I was like, I want to explore this. I want to see where this takes me. And so I just started to open myself up. So the first thing I did was meditation. Hated it. You know what? I still don't really enjoy it. I just feel like it's great for people. And I'm so jealous. Like Jack, my goodness, he like sits there and pretty much floats on the sofa, like on the sofa, just like in absolute zen and I can't do it. Um, Like part of the reason is because of my chronic pain. So as soon as I'm sat and relaxed, my brain starts to focus on the pain. Um, But I thought, okay, let's just keep going. So I just got a little bit more experimental and obviously knowing you as well, I know that you were going through the transition and like you were starting to experiment with things and getting us to do things in the group. Um, Ah, It just, I don't know. I was so pessimistic at the beginning, Um, but now like, I, I probably say around October last year I fully surrendered to it I was like if I'm gonna do it I might as well just do it in full and then if I don't like it I can move on like I just need to move past this point in my life and oh I just I just I've fallen in love with it all now
0: yeah.
1: um, and I, I would say the biggest thing for me and for anyone that's watching that deals with chronic pain or any health issues the biggest thing for me has been falling back in love with my body yeah that sounds woo woo but I didn't realize how much hatred I held for my body and blamed it for everything I was like it's because of my body that I lost my job and I've lost my life and I'm a new person and how I couldn't support my dad when he passed away and I had all of this hatred and releasing that and starting to love myself again through different practices has just healed a part of me that I didn't realize was
0: weighing me down so much completely this is it it's a really it's a really funny thing isn't it this whole like we we live in this world where if you have a pain they give you medication they don't tell you to to meditate to start connecting with your body to start to learn self love to start to heal your your childhood wounds to to heal, heal your inner child you know connecting with yourself they don't tell us that that is really what is going to heal us but truly it is what heals us and Medication is just um, something that keeps us going on a day to day. You know, I, I myself have a chronic illness as well, which was brought on 18 months after my mom died. And I truly believe that my ulcerative colitis is a, a symptom of her death, like because I suppressed all of the pain. The, uh, the emotions your emotions get suppressed into your kind of sacral chakra and that is exactly where my illness is in my body like it's it's completely there so so yeah and then of course your back it carries so many different emotions in your body as well so I it's the sim it's that uh, that suppression of of the grief and and not only that it's that having to be the one that carries everyone else forward that organizes the funeral that sorts out the paperwork that you know and and all of the stuff that we we both had to be responsible for and i was mm-hmm. 24 when that happened and, and you were how old were you, you were in your early 20s so. yeah exactly so it has a great impact um it really does but it's I didn't know back then that I could feel better by connecting with my spirituality and getting to know myself better and that meditation would help me. It's only really in the last 12 to 18 months that I've explored that so much. And Mm -hmm. it's quite incredible, isn't it? How you just feel different on a daily basis because you're doing it. You're, you feel more relaxed. You feel feel more at peace. You feel a sense of inner peace. Mm -hmm. And I mean, despite lockdown. I don't know about you, I feel this sense of freedom, you know, despite being locked down still and not being able to travel. I would like to travel, though. But <laughs> it, it, it's also given you more than that, hasn't it? It's shown you that you, you've you got something that is your craft and you love it and your creative energy. But actually, for you, things are opening up much more and you're almost war- working towards finding a life's purpose now, aren't you? It's yeah. following yeah. your heart. Yeah, 100%. I
1: I would say that what happened to me, the biggest, the biggest thing that I lost was my identity. I didn't know who I was anymore. And unfortunately, and a lot of people do this when they have health issues is that they identify with their health condition. So yeah. when it all happened to me and I started to get all of these diagnoses from, you know, like I have a I have a profile about it called surviving the undiagnosed because I just spent years surviving something that the doctors refused to diagnose for me. Yeah. And so um, I've just lost my thread. What was the question? You were saying how, when you, oh God, no, no, I've lost it. You were saying that, no, I've lost it. I got distracted and I was like, oh no, um, how spirituality has, um, oh, that's it. So yeah, I lost my sense of identity. I know. So um, for me, like the spirituality side has really helped me connect with who I really am. And this all sounds so woo-woo, but it, it really works, guys. Like it really does. And so being able to go through this process and figure out who I really am, I realized, like, I have no sense of purpose. I have just no sense of feeling fulfillment on a daily basis. And as much as I love being creative uh, um, with my filming uh, work, and I love it and I would never, ever stop doing it. There was just something in me that just felt like there was this gap. And again, not using what had happened to me for some sort of purpose, which I just kept having this voice in my head, like, just don't let it don't let it just be something that happened in your life. Like have it have it mean something. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah. So in the last sort of four or five months, I've been really like teasing myself a bit like, oh, you know, maybe you should become a coach. And and I've had a lot of opportunities come up and I've had people saying, oh, you know, you'd be a great coach. You'd be a great speaker. You've got a great story all that kind of thing. And I was going, oh, yeah, yeah it's fine. But I'm a filmmaker. Um, But yeah, definitely in the, in the last month, especially, I've felt this need to at the very least start sharing my story properly yeah um, and let people know like you can be pushed down and you can be pushed down in a way where everything stacks on top of you within a 3 month period and you can still pull yourself out you can still find yourself again you can still find a sense of purpose you can make money you can heal relationships you can get through it all and in fact in a in a lot of ways I look back at it and go gosh I wonder who I would have been if that hadn't happened to me like yeah. I actually want to be me now, like, and that's new, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> but, that, it's funny, isn't it? It's like <laughs> you hear yourself say these things, and it's like, gosh, I've never said that. But I do. <laughs> like I want to be me now, and I want to use that, and and hopefully, you know, some, just spread some inspiration, some motivation out there that
0: um that there is a way forward. It's very inspiring, and I think there's so many people who do suffer from chronic illness and undiagnosed illness these days as well, with the, you know the rise of autoimmune diseases, and it's it's to have somebody that understands it, but somebody a voice that can actually say you can rise from the ashes, you can create your life all over again. But I think also, you know, from what from your story to say that you know it's very it's very easy when when you have so much loss all on top of each other to feel like. There is nothing worth living for. Like, what have I got left for me? It's very easy, you know. That's that it's the easier choice in a way to feel like that. But to know that actually you can get through it, you can heal, you can overcome it. And it it doesn't have to be impossible. I think I believed when I was young that 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 actually healing from grief was was not possible. I, you know, because for 20 years, I didn't heal from grief. I didn't, I didn't. And, and until last year, when I did the grief recovery program with Dolce, I just, I think I didn't believe that it was possible to even feel different about a relationship with somebody that you'd, you'd created this perspective of it for so many years. And that's where your story, it's just so inspiring, Shannon. And obviously, your so young still you've got so much ahead of you and you've got so much opportunity to be able to inspire and motivate people around the world to to follow their hearts despite you know chronic illness and and chronic debilitating illness as well because you can have a chronic illness but not actually lose your your ability to walk but losing your ability to walk and be able to look after yourself like you had that is a major thing it is a major major thing Oh, 100%. I mean,
1: I I used to describe myself as being fiercely independent. You know, I don't need no man. I was that I was that kind of woman at university. And so when it all happened and I was like Jack would have to carry me everywhere and I couldn't you know, I wouldn't be able to stand up to have a shower. I couldn't I couldn't dress myself. There was just so much I couldn't do. And, you know, it's, it's one of the things that, you know, I, I've I've found so important is the relationship I've had with Jack in the, you know, obviously he was amazing. And, and I'm so grateful for him. But our relationship went from this loving, fresh, brand new relationship. I think we've been together about two and a half years at the time. So we weren't exactly like an old relationship either. Um, suddenly he was my carer. Suddenly I was the patient, you know, and I would get up in the morning and he'd have to help me get up and then basically plunk me in the living room and go, right, what do you need? I'm going to put it all near you. And then he would go and do a 14 hour shift on a TV job. And I'd pretty much just not leave. And then I would have a key to one of my family members and they would come in once a day and just check that I was eating and all that and then would leave. And then he'd come back at night straight in cook me dinner have to get me into bed I do the relate there was no relationship we yeah. were like like and obviously the friendship grew and I, I loved him and our love grew but the relationship suddenly just disappeared yeah, and that's also something that I want to be able to talk to people about because it's like it is normal like don't feel like your relationship's breaking down in fact what you're building is just so much more stronger and so important and then once you're at a point where you can move forward to make sure that you do take that time to acknowledge what's happened and not be angry with each other and start moving past it and for us moving past it's been so difficult to be able to say to Jack you know you don't have to look after me all the time and when you leave the house you don't have to be worried that I'm going to fall over like it's stuff that you don't think you're going to have to think about in your mid-20s but you know you know it's just so much happened and you know it's 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 amazing and it's weird to think that I'm saying, oh, yeah, my dad died when I was 25. I'm only 28. All of this has happened to me in three years. And, yeah,
0: it's, it's, it's mad. <laughs> it's mad. And you're doing so well. You've done so well. You're so determined. And even last year during COVID, when the wedding industry got hit so hard, mm-hmm. you were there pushing forward, getting bookings still and getting out there, doing style shoots, you know, many people gave up, but actually you, a person who had been really faced with life's biggest challenges, just kept going, just kept going strong. And it's amazing. You're amazing. You really are. And I can't wait to see you sharing your story with the world and inspiring other women. I'm so excited for it, Shannon. I really am. It's just, it's amazing. And I know that you are gonna feel like you found a purpose in it. I I would love to do a past life um, hypnotherapy with you and okay. find out what whether you've got that like that healing um, healing roles in your past lives because mm. recently is doing some past life hypnotherapies in order to find out if that healing that healing role is something that I'd taken on in my past lives and actually it had manifested itself um like three out of five times so yeah in one of the times I didn't work at all that was quite nice I was wealthy (laughs) great (laughs) I know maybe I did work I need to go back in and find out but I would love to do that with you and find out what's what's in the past because you can often tap into those resources from those past lives in order to move move forward as well you know And, and to help you in healing helping people heal and you know one of the things that I found is that the more the more I'm helping people heal, the more I'm healing too. And that's such a powerful thing. And something yeah. I've seen in my coach as well, Natasha, Natasha Bray, you know, that she's she's had that experience too. And it's just like, the more that you move forward, the more you grow, the more you grow. It's like, the more you help other people grow, the more you grow. And it's just an amazing thing. It really is. Aw. So yeah. tell me how, one of my questions that I like asking for this interview series is, um one piece of advice that you would give to your 15 year old self had you known what your story was going to be like oh my goodness
1: um what would I say to her I would say to her that you have so much more strength than you ever thought possible and that you don't need to be dependent on other people and you don't have to be dependent on other people's love and judgments of you like you just strive on on your own path being who you are stop hiding it yeah. because you you're just so much there's so much more to you than what you're allowing to the world to see um i i hid myself for too long and and showed parts of me that perhaps weren't weren't really the real me you know going along um just society's norms and things like that getting myself into bad situations so yeah just Strive on as, as who you are and, and stop stop using other people's sort of uh, judgments and love as uh, validation for yourself. You can validate yourself.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. It's one of the biggest symptoms I think that we have as women is is that we, you know, as as in in as teenagers who are very influenced by everything around us, we lose we lose our identity, we lose a sense of who we are because we're not actually encouraged to believe that we are good enough, that we have the power inside of us. Yeah. It's almost like you have to, you're taught to look outside of yourself for everything and not to believe in you, you know, and that's, it's one of the saddest things. If only in school they taught self-love, you know, wouldn't that be an incredible thing? <laughs> yeah yeah.
1: and and I think that for me, you know, you're not you're not taught these things, and then you sort of you have this weird skewed version of you know, sort of vision of what you're supposed to be and how you're supposed to act. then you become an an adult and you start growing up, and then you learn, oh, I can be whoever I want, but it turns into anger. Like I got quite aggressive about it. I was like, I'm a feminist, and I was one of those like stereotypical feminists that just hated men. It's like <laughs> you've got to teach it young you've got to understand it young because otherwise you're literally putting all these innocent naive women into the world who are then learning that all the like sort of the the wrong way of looking at it I guess and then you become sort of sort of just angry at the world and I know so many women that still are so angry at the world and hate men and it's like it's just it's because of the way we were brought up we we learned the wrong way around
0: That's it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, crazy. We, it's upside down. It's all upside down. Yeah. So my final question is, how are you living your life and running your business with heart and soul? Oh, um,
1: I would say that I am, I'm living my life uh, for the most part every day as it comes Just yeah. the day as it comes. Um, the, the biggest thing I've learned is, um, the, Like people tell you all the time, life's too short. You hear it from a very young age, but you don't really understand what it means until you're you're given um, sort of events like uh, that have happened to me where it's literally one day you can be walking, one day you can't, you know, one day you've got your dad, one day you haven't. So knowing that the life is too short, I definitely run my life now with joy, fun, excitement, adventure at the center of everything. I'm not perfect. I'm trying to do this every day, but that's how I want to live. That's how I want to live my business. So instead of having every day is like, how can I earn my money? How can I be strategically better? It's like, okay, yeah, those things are important. But how can I do this having fun, enjoying myself, growing in some way? Um, And I guess just leading from the heart and from the gut more and stop listening to my head and my logical brain and start thinking, you know, using my, as they say, your feminine energy, um and listening to yourself and going what do you really want you know what do you really want to do today <laughs> um so yeah exactly
0: I think that's so important and you know I harp on about it all the time that people need to be living more in their energy feminine energy and with a more flow like more flow more of an energetic flow rather than forcing things all of the time that masculine energy that de- actually mm-hmm. it, it gets some of us somewhere but not a lot of us you know yeah. <laughs> Those yeah. managers- somewhere but the rest of us it doesn't get us you know generators and projectors in human design it doesn't get us anywhere by forcing it we have to be flowing so Mm -hmm. it's really important to do that and I think you you know I always say to you ladies in the group like just if you don't feel like working today then don't work today because you're just going to be wasting your energy and your time when you could be nurturing you giving yourself some self-care bit of self-love and then the next day you come back and you're so much more refreshed. You've got so much more creativity. You're you're more ready to tap into your intuition and, and get really creating amazing things. So I think we limit ourselves so much by just working long hours, keeping going, never listening to our hearts or our, you know, our kind of gut. And, and just thinking in our heads, I've got to be doing it like that because everyone else is doing it like that. When actually... It's never should be like that. It should only ever be, how am I gonna do it as a unique individual? How does it work for me as a unique individual? How can I create my business in a way that works for me? You know, that's the key. Yeah, Yeah, 100%. Like,
1: I, I remember when I first realized that I didn't have to have a morning routine. Like, I'd read all these books, you know, like the Miracle Morning and all that rubbish, like, and it's not that it's rubbish, it works for some people. But for me, I would read these books and like, you know, sit there scheduling out my morning. Oh, I must have yoga for five minutes. I must have this for five minutes, and I could never do it. And in fact, it used to get me really angry. I'd just be like, either angry at myself, I'd be angry at the book, or I'd be angry at someone because I haven't fit it in. And when someone said to me, like, it's because you're a woman, because you're feminine, like, because because your feminine energy is more dominant than you. You don't want to be told what to do. You don't have to do the same thing every single day. You're bored. And I was like, that's it. I'm bored. Like, that's all it was. And now every morning, like, I do something different. And I still yeah. I wouldn't call it a routine because it's not the same thing. But, like, even this morning, like, we've been doing this breath work every morning for probably about a week or so. Yeah. And I went, I can't, I just, I read don't want to do that today. So I went for a walk instead. Whereas no. in the past, I would have made myself do the breath work and not enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it isn't worth it. You want to be doing it when you enjoy it, without without a shadow yeah. of a doubt. Yeah. Um, before we go, I would mm-hmm. I'd love to. Obviously, I know what practices you are using in order to kind of connect with your your spirituality yourself. But also these these practices that you're using are very healing as well for the body. Mm-hmm. So you use embodiment dancing, mm-hmm. and you also use breath work. Um, so for people who don't know what they are, mm-hmm. would you? tell them or <laughs> I find it quite
1: hard to explain without making me sound like a crazy person. So no right. with. <laughs> Not with me here. Yeah, true. Okay. <laughs> um okay so breath work is really simply it's breathing. It's uh, taking a pattern of breathing, for example, in through the nose, out through the nose, in through the mouth, out through the mouth. But instead of like how you would with meditation where you'd count and then do it quite slowly, I found that the breath work that I enjoy is actually quite fast. And like, for example, if you did it out of the mouth, in through the mouth, it would literally go... (sighs) So you could do it in like 30 rounds or you could do it for a couple of minutes. And then you sit in just complete peace and let your body feel all the sensations. And the first time I did it, I went I was a bit panicked because it makes your head go all fuzzy and you get all tingles in your fingers. And I went really, really cold. Um, And thankfully, I was doing it in a practice where I felt safe and I was able to go, oh, is this normal? And they were like, yeah, this is normal. And now when I do it, I just feel this like extreme sense of peace and clarity in my head. And I use it now when I do feel stressed and overwhelmed to basically connect to myself and ground myself. And I'm finding that a lot more helpful in meditation for me personally. It works in
0: a similar way that you're you're connecting with your body. You know, you're connecting yep. with your, yourself and your body. And what i found is for anyone that might be interested, if they want to try uh, breath work, is that you can find gri- guided breath works on YouTube. Yep. There's some great ones out there. And to start off with, I do think it's good to do the slower one because, like, for example, <laughs> my, my friend Alex is, gets very overexcited about all of these crazy things that I'm always sending to her. And she recently <laughs> tried the breath work but fast, and she's like. Well, I felt like I was gonna have a panic attack. <laughs> I'm like, I yeah. it more slowly, so yeah. I I do it slowly because I started to get um, coughing, coughing fits, and it, it's mm. it's basically it's um, purging. The coughing yeah. is purging. It's just mm-hmm. bad energy I'm getting out there. You know, it's because it has happened to me in a few situations that you know of these kind of things, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, the slower breath work to start off with is a really good way to start getting into it. But it is quite amazing, isn't it? And it's a great way of releasing negative energy. And I'm really releasing things from your mind or your body that you don't want anymore. And it can be it can be very healing for for ailments and illnesses in the body as well, because you're optimizing the amount of um oxygen that you're actually yeah. bringing into your body and for the first time in a day you're actually breathing properly because most of us most of the time are not breathing properly and i don't yeah. breathe very often at all this yeah. speed, <laughs> yeah i mean one of the ones that i found
1: amazing is if if you want to look into this is to um google a man called wim Hof. Um, And he does breath work and he does really great uh, ones on YouTube. Yeah, he he has. He basically says to breathe fully in, fully out. And he says that on an average day that we only use like, you know, 30 percent capacity of our lungs. So the idea of his exercises is to actually use 100 percent capacity of your lungs in the exercise. And then he says the tingling that you feel during breath work is your body basically like like ignited and how it should have been. It's how it should be all the time. So giving it that moment of just having all this oxygen and all of this tingling is like a really good thing. So, yeah, I definitely go check him out. And I would say that in terms of the fast breath work that I've started to do more recently, I found like it depends on the mood. I find that when I'm quite relaxed, I like the slow stuff. But if I feel quite stressed and a bit angry, I do the faster stuff. It seems to um I don't know I get something a bit more out of it I think because I'm not just trying I'm trying to sit and trying to be calm I'm allowing the body to actually be quite active and quite heated yeah and Um, get that
0: get that negativity out get that anxiety out of there, out of your body yeah and then embodiment dancing is something interesting I was telling my um one of my um hypnotherapy clients about it the other day yeah I found I found quite a lot of um, because it's called you can call it embodiment dancing or ecstatic dancing as well. And there's lots of different ceremonies. And these things are like they're kind kind of shamanic rituals that have been passed down through generations. And um, there's a great one on online and it's a cacao ceremony first with some quiet meditation. And then the dancing starts and you, you start to move your shoulders first and then you start to move your your hips to activate your female energy, and then you just flow to the music and dance how you want to dance and let the energy and let the negativity flow out. I've been practising that quite a lot recently, just when I, when I feel the need. Like you, I don't do the same thing every day. It can be different. And you've been using the embodiment dancing too, haven't you, to, to release stress and anxiety or whatever you might be feeling in the moment. Yes I have so um, when when I
1: obviously was in a wheelchair and I was really restricted like my whole body just felt like I just can't wait until I can dance again so I think when I started doing it I got a lot more of a release because I felt so liberated but I would say to a lot of women and men because Jack's been trying it out and he loves it as well um, is that we're so static in our lives. We just sit at a desk or we'll sit and watch telly or we'll sit and eat a meal or we're sat on Zoom talking to our family. Like we're not allowing things to move through us. And that's the idea I get from embodiment work is you have all this stagnant aggression or even joy or love or excitement. It doesn't have to always be sort of a a sad feeling, but we're not letting it out. Mm. And a lot of us, like for example, Jack, he always feels like he can't, um, really show his enjoyment. Um, and like, like I have this thing where if I eat something really nice, like I, he calls it my like little, my little jiggle and I'll eat something and I'll be like, "Mm." (laughs) and I'll make a noise. I'll be like, oh, so nice. And he'll be like, how do you do that in a restaurant? Like, how can you just do that and not feel ashamed? I was like, I don't know. It just moves through me. Like I just do it naturally. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Love it. So, yeah. So so Jack gave this embodiment practice a go. It was actually on a um, Tony Robbins event. So he felt a bit more, I guess, sort of like he was allowed to do it because there was more men doing it. Yeah, of course. And since then, like he's dancing more and he's showing his enjoyment more when he's excited. And that's what I get from embodiment. It's yeah. it's allowing yourself to actually give your body permission to feel and move through all your emotions of the day and i find it so effective if you are in a bad place like if you're angry or if you're pent up and you're stressed i just put some music on and just let your body move and if you feel like it like shout and scream like screaming to a pillow and at first i was like oh my god i'm a crazy person but i just let myself do it and instantly, I was like, whoa, I am in a great state now. Yeah. i with the rest of my day. I've released it. And oh, I just, I love it. I just find it so liberating. I feel like I can get, especially now in COVID, like I felt so stuck physically lo- in my location. Being able to do that every morning, like I do actually do it nearly every day now. Um, It feels like I give myself a bit of freedom
0: every day. Yeah, absolutely. You yeah. know, one of the things that um, has come up a lot recently is that when I'm, I'm hypnotizing people and they go back to being uh, their child, like their with a childhood friend i've said i say what what are you doing and they say i'm dancing and dancing is so natural to us Mm -hmm. but ask yourself when was the last time you actually danced if you're not like us like practicing embodiment or ecstatic dancing when was the last time you actually danced you know um and one of the things that i love about the ecstatic dancing is that there's these big kind of festivals that move across the world doing it and you're not allowed drugs and you're not allowed alcohol it is something where you're meant to be present you are not meant to be high you're not meant to be off your head you know it is something where you are meant to connect with you and what we we live in a society that has taught us that we should be connecting with every everything outside of ourselves and we forgot that we almost exist and the dancing can really help connect with that but I just feel like every woman every man should be moving their body and dancing and feeling good and and letting the energy flow you know it's also great for for women if you know when not for you you're young but like when we get into our 40s you know your, your sexual libido does drop a little bit so that embodiment dancing where you're moving your hips and you're activating your feminine energy is really important because it does make you feel sexy again. It does reignite the feelings of when you were young and you could just dance and be free and without any limitations or restrictions. So yeah, it's been been so much fun. Well, thank you so much for coming and talking to me today. It's been really, really lovely. Thank you so much for Shannon for coming and sharing her incredible story with us. It's so inspiring to hear all of these stories of these wonderful women who have really overcome the biggest challenges. If you would like to get involved in embodiment dancing, I run a session uh, most weeks on a Wednesday morning at 9.30 UK time in the Empowered Women Rise Facebook group. So you can just search for Empowered Women Rise on Facebook and come and join us there. I will see you again next week with season two of the Empowered Women Rise podcast.